On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, what if the Thunder leap into the top four? What decisions would they have to make in the NBA draft? Should the Thunder trade back from 12? And who, who should be on the Thunder's radar in terms of prospects? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we are joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter, host of Lockdown NBA Big Board to discuss the NBA Draft everything from the Thunder possibly leaping up next week in the lottery to the top four, trading back from 12, trading up from 12, and what other things they could do around that range. Richard, thanks for taking the time. I know you're very busy during this draft season, especially with the combine next week. Yeah, hey, no problem. Always uh, good to be Thunder draft for a minute. Thunder draft, Richard Stamen. It was a lot of fun all last year and the year prior. We're doing it again this year, talking weekly with our good pal at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Give him a follow over there for uh, scoops about who's working out with who and also just some great breakdowns of these prospects as well. Richard, technically speaking, the Thunder could go to the top four next week on Tuesday. It's only an 8% chance of happening, but it could happen. At number one, they obviously take Victor. And if that were to happen, what would be the outlook in Oklahoma City for you? Man, uh, well, selfishly, I would be sad because that means Dallas loses the pick and the Orlando Magic, who I'm wearing a shirt of, gets screwed. So hopefully not, uh, with all due respect. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, with, with Wembenyama, it, it's an interesting, it's a really interesting outlook. You probably have the two best rookies uh, in, the, in, the, in the NBA of Victor Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren. Uh, so that dynamic would be very interesting to balance. I think it's a good thing the Thunder don't have to choose to balance that because how do you make that work? How do you balance them off? They play similar, similar, excuse me, I can't speak similar, similarly took me four tries, but uh, they, you know, it, for, for me, it's just that Chet is more of a rim protector, wants to be that center. I should say wants to be that role more than Wembenyama, where Wembenyama can play anywhere on defense, anywhere on offense. And I think he's more of a true creator. I'd be interested to see that dynamic. I don't think you can really play them much at the same time. So with that being said, are you telling me that if the Thunder got the first overall pick, they should consider trading it and, and, and having a, no. having it. Okay. So then no. we're not going that far. So I no. think it'd work out pretty well. I think that um, ultimately you would just have this lineup where of course there would be some growing pains, but a SGA, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, Chet, Victor, down low, whoever you want to put the four and the five. Obviously, Chet for the Thunder is viewed as a center and has always been viewed as a center for OKC. Uh, so he'd be the five and Victor the four. And there'd be some growing pains in there, but ultimately, that's five extremely talented players. And, and, and typically, they figure it out. 
Yeah. I mean, talent works. And again, like, I mean, that's up to coaching and, and I mean, Oklahoma's so Oklahoma city's always had a, a strong history of coaching. I feel like uh, at least under this regime and, you know, for me, I think they'd make it work right. Where you could have, you could stagger them. You could probably run them a few minutes together. It's hard to score on that much length like that. That's really the ultimate thing. Like you, you can't overthink it and say, well, women, Yama does this, Chet does this. Like I started to do really at the end of the day, it's, I mean, you have like, what 16 feet of wingspan right there and one like just about like between two guys like how are you scoring on that if either of them are near the rim and you can't take both out of the play on defense and then you talk about offense i mean chet can obviously spot up so can Wembenyama. they can i think Wembenyama is a much better creator than chet uh which says a lot about Wembenyama more than it does about chet i, I just i think it's hard to to <laughs> that would be an insane dynamic and also unfair to the league so we've talked about this before but just real quick Let's say that that card turns over at two on Tuesday and the Thunder have the second overall pick because every day is Tuesday. And with that decision, if I put you in the chair, would it be a slam dunk Scoot Henderson for you? I think so. Uh, They're one of the very few teams that there's a real strong case to start considering Brandon Miller. Um, You know, I think Brandon Miller does have, he's more of a fit. I just I have a hard time saying that he's a better talent than Scoot Henderson, though. Like what Scoot does as a point guard, just being that bulldoze downhill three level scoring point guard with defense, I think it's more valuable than anything Brandon Miller can be. If both of their ceiling Scoot wins, I mean, and you know, with that, if you had the two best guards in the in the NBA, two or sorry, the best backcourt in the NBA with Scoot and and SGA, I mean, the ceiling is so much higher than with Giddy. I think it's tough but someone's got to go, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's an interesting conundrum that they'd find themselves in it too. Moving on to three is three, just in a simple, you take Brendan Miller and you move on about your day, or do you yep. maybe reach for a Jerese Walker? No, don't reach at three. Don't reach at three. Cause Brandon Miller, like all, I know what I just said, like the ceiling isn't like superstar, but my God, it's his floor high. Like and we said the same thing about Jabari Smith, but I think it's a little bit different than it was for Jabari because he had a lot of tendencies, I think, and just limitations physically. Brandon Miller does not have. He's a 6'9", true small forward, and, and the skill set of 3 and D plus creation, like not 3 and D, but th- three-point shooting defense, creation, and just intelligence, that is just an unreal combo given his size. And then if they go to four. Now, here's where I think that there's a big conversation to be had. At four, the uh, the options would be a guy like Eamon Thompson, who you, you and I both have highly up there. Uh, Drees Walker, who I think fits perfectly with what Oklahoma City wants to do. And then trading back is another option as well. With all that being said, what would be the play in your mind for where the Thunder are currently at? Yeah, I don't like reaching for need. I think if you can get a guy, the same guy at six as you could at four, why not get more capital? And obviously, Oklahoma City's not exactly hurting for draft capital right now. But I, I just I feel like you still can you never can have enough assets, right? So I think if it were me at, and I was Sam Presti and I got the fourth pick, I'm calling everybody to to just drive that price up as much as possible. I mean, you don't even need to move far back. I mean, five or six, I think, does it. Then you take Taylor Hendricks or Jairus Walker. I don't think you take Amen Thompson. Although, although, let's just talk about it. If if there's any spot where Amen Thompson hits his absolute upside. Is there any other spot that comes to mind more easily than Oklahoma City? Like, disregard the talent situation around him and what's in place. Just the development that Oklahoma City does. Like, is that not the perfect spot, like, for him to develop in? Yeah, I mean, 
the, the culture fit, the the ability to to develop talent in Oklahoma City and the coaching staff, I think all uh, kind of build around what he is. And so I, I think that that'd be a wonderful landing spot for Thompson. Yeah, would I mean, it, and again, just ignoring context, like this isn't like, hey, they should take him. Like, I don't think they should. But like just in theory, like just putting him with a track, a team that has a track record of developing players like him, why not? And then you get to the conversation at four. I, th- I think that I would agree of like, you trade back, but it's it's a simple trade. It's not as though you you know went from four to out of the first round. It's just a, a simple hey. In order for the Thunder to get to the top four, there is at least one, if not multiple, teams who've really slid down and are really dejected coming off of lottery night and need to acquire something. And so to to say hey, you know, for us, Walker would be a massive success. For you guys, it would not feel that way after losing. You know only winning 20 games or whatever you won and got pushed down. How about you give us Walker? We'll give you Eamon Thompson. You can sell it to your fan base and we get, we get an additional first round pick or, or an additional first in two seconds or whatever. It's, it's something small, but is uh, at least worthwhile whenever you can get a better option for both sides and draft capital becomes even more important as you move forward in this new CBA. So even though the Thunder have a lot of draft capital, you can never have too much as that's an easy way to get cost controlled talent. Um, once you start having to pay the core on this roster. So I think it's going to be vital to continue to have that that draft pick war chest loaded up in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it, it just – there's really no benefit of taking Alvin Thompson, right? I mean, I, I just – I can't really feel something like that. Like, just because he is probably the fourth consensus best player, you don't need to take him just because. Unless you're just that convinced, like – if the same argument goes for, you know, what we said about Scoot, where the upside is just ridiculous with next to SGA, like unless Oklahoma City feels they can get that exact same outcome with Amen out of, I mean, really out of high school, then you do it. But I just, you got to be really convinced. Like if Oklahoma City's convinced, then they do it. But otherwise, I think if it's not, it's an all or nothing thing. It is all or nothing. And also, Richard, when also you need to work, uh, you know, when you need to see, is how great ePay Motors is because ePay Motors is there for you. And they understand that just like sports, building a championship team is difficult, folks. Building a championship team is difficult because you need the perfect fit in order for it to happen. Well, guess what? At eBay Motors, you get that perfect fit every time guaranteed because they understand how important it is to get that right fit. So with eBay Motors Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits just right the first time around, and you can add it to your ride, go to my garage, and look for the green track to be part uh, of what you want to fit into or your money back guaranteed. Just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game, and so you want to have that confidence whenever you shop at eBay Motors that what you get is going to fit your ride, and it will with over $122 million, with over 122 million parts uh, to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home uh, a win with the right parts at the right prices guaranteed and getting the right fit. So make sure you check it out today at eBay Motors, eBay guaranteed fit, only available in U.S. Uh, customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board Podcast with our host, uh, Richard Salmon at Mavs Draft on Twitter here, co-hosting today's show, talking all about the NBA draft. Richard, the top four we just went over. Now let's say that 
status quo happens, at least for the Thunder, and they stay at 12. One thing that's been eye-catching a little bit is Eamon's brother, Azur Thompson. If he falls to 12, would there would there be consideration for you of, you know, sure, maybe a guy like Reiner Pear fits better or a guy like, you know, Leonard Miller checks a box, but like you can't pass up on Azur Thompson's upside for the Thunder or for the Thunder specifically at that point, would you go more who fits in a more natural role? Well, I do think Asar, you know, he has good fit with, I mean, his defense is, is day one trait. His shooting still a big question mark. It's improved, still a, a question mark. I, I think he's got a lot of concerns. I'm lower on him than most people. Um, but again, I mean, I've had people tell me like that, whether it's coaches, people who worked with him say like, you know, he's the best defender I've ever coached. And, and to me that, that doesn't go lightly. Like I think given the Intel has said like the work ethic is strong, good kids, nothing, no red flags at all in that regard, that combination, I think it's worth taking a flyer on him. I think the upside with him mostly lies on defense. So like you're looking at a guy, once he fills out his frame, could be a top defender in this league, all defense. And Oklahoma City obviously has had an initiative with defense over the last couple of years. We've seen that. Uh, I mean, even got in 2022, their defense, even when they were not a good team, their defense is top 10 in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that's always been a big focus. I think he'd be on their, uh, on their front, you know, top of their wish list. But you could get a higher ceiling as a two-way guy, uh, not like a two-way contract, but, you know, two-way, just they play defense and they shoot and they create – I think you can get that at 12, whereas Asar is a very specialized player, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that his defense screams thunder, but past that, you'd be taking a big upside swing, which I would argue that you're doing that anyway with like whoever you draft at 12. Whoever you draft at 12 is going to need some development and is going to need some time to be nurtured in this organization. And at least Thompson was once thought of as like a top five pick in this draft. Uh, and so you can kind of bank on that a little bit, but you know, my stance on the Thompson twins, you know, we, we can pull up the synergy numbers and pull up the synergy clips, but at the end of the day, these are 20 year olds playing high school level talent. So the evaluation on them is going to be more so predicated upon what they do in NBA workouts, how they do in interviews, you know, stuff like that, that we just aren't going to be able to see and, and, and may not be as privy to as we want to be come draft night. So it's interesting. And I, and I think that if, if Thompson was the pick at 12, people would be celebrating because of what his reputation was just this time last year. Uh, but uh, ultimately it's not as though it's like a, you have to take him if he slides that far. Uh, but I think he'd be probably uh, encouraged by a lot of people if he did slide that far uh, to 12, which I, I'm not, I don't think that he'll get to 12, but there's a, there's a chance at least a, a name that's been popping up a lot recently is Leonard Miller. And I think you and I are both pretty high on Leonard Miller, especially compared to where the consensus is at for him. But at 12, how would you view that pick? If the Thunder took Leonard Miller at 12, what would be your rationale for it? And what would be your opinion about it? Yeah, I think I like his overall upside. I mean, don't forget, he's still, I believe, 19, just played in the G League Ignite, had a massive improvement from where he was one year ago today to where he is now. I mean, he was really just he looked great out there and he does need to improve some things obviously he's young he's still raw but I think he fits very well the shooting may never come along and you you probably just live with it um having him as a almost small ball five I mean he's a 6'10 
jumbo creator like not really creator he's just a mismatch like that's really his position is mismatch like you can't centers can't take him guards can't take him wings kind of can that's the closest position but he's not a three he's not a four there's really no number for him of what he is I would not mind the fit at 12. I do think he's going to rise. I mean, just the G League Ignite program is so strong. I think especially after seeing how good Jaden Hardy was this year. And obviously he wasn't like all rookie, didn't blow anybody away. But I think in the final two, three months, he actually kind of did. I think overall it wasn't. But when you look at that short span, he really improved. And he was a guy who he did not produce in the G League Ignite. I think teams will start focusing on, hey, what will they do to get better and all these guys are very much professionals. Like these are guys who have been groomed to be just, they know the NBA lifestyle and, and they can be that NBA professional at 19, 20 years old. And they're way ahead of the curve. So because of that, they're going to develop better. I would not mind Oklahoma city taking him the on court fit. You know, it's weird, but you make it work. You make it weird in a good way. Making it weird in a good way, Richard, if I could dictate the board for you, and do it in a in a realistic way, but also a favorable way. So it's it's a tough line to walk, uh, but but let's try to walk it together here. If you could hand picked hand pick a prospect at twelve for the Oklahoma City Thunder, who would it be that could realistically fall there? Man, I I think that's tough. If if I had to choose somebody where it's the combination, man, I, I, there's two guys that really just pop to me. Um, Three. I'll just say three. So, Casey Wallace is one. I think he fits everything, but it's, again, guards. Not the ideal spot. So, I'll kind of ignore that. Gigi Jackson, I think, would be great. He is somebody, Raphael, my co-host at NBA Big Board, locked on NBA Big Board. We both really like him. You know, he's, he's going to be the youngest player in the league. He's 6'9", has guard skill, or sorry, doesn't have point guard skills. He definitely has creation skills, I should say. Uh, this is a guy who averaged three to one in turnovers to assist. But his defensive upside is there. He's athletic. He's big. That's a great combination. And then the last one, I think, with the recent news of his injury holding him out to the beginning of the season, Dariq Whitehead would have been one of my candidates. But I think he's going to fall towards the 20s because of that foot injury, unfortunately. If he was healthy, it's definitely him. I mean, he's somebody who he creates more than he's given credit for. He shoots the lights out, and the defensive upside is there. So those are the three guys I would go with. That's a tough, tough question, though. So looking at that, at those guys. So firstly, with, with Whitehead, now the Thunder are going to play 10 to 12 guys in any given regular season game. It's just how Mark's going to operate. And so the Thunder can take on uh, guys who, who get minutes right away. But they also have, have a rotation that, that if they needed to, they could get by without their first round rookie playing a ton this year if he needs to rehab or whatever the case is. So given his upside and his ability – would you feel more comfortable with him landing in a spot like the Thunder where they don't have to rush him back to NBA play? They can let him fully rehab, let him fully heal, and then try to develop him uh, as more of a longer-term picture? Uh, or, or do you think that they would be, the Thunder would be better off going in a different direction? I'd, I'd say if you're going to do that, you probably have to trade back. 12 is not the spot for it. You could – I'm trying to think of who you could move back with. I mean, maybe Brooklyn. Brooklyn feels realistic. Um the Lakers maybe I mean I, I maybe Utah Utah actually feels like one you can move back five four spots but again like it's a tough spot because he may fall all the way down to the mid-20s and if that's the case Brooklyn makes the most sense 21 and 22 for uh for 12 might just match now shifting over to Kayson Wallace 
that's been a popular name and, and I think one that gets a lot of buzz. You mentioned his his guard nature. How do you see him breaking into this rotation if he was the pick at 12? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think he's going to play he's going to play on any team. He fits every team because of that defense. Like there's always a need for a defensive guard. You always need a stop. He can shoot and his creation. You know, it's not advanced, but he he passes like it's satisfactory. And that combination, I think, is going to find ways to get you on the court. No matter what is in front of you, whether you have two, three guards already, like you do that combination that nobody else does on the team. Most teams don't have a guard like him. There's probably, what, three teams? Marcus Smart kind of does it. Um, there's I'm blanking on who else. Uh, but, you know, Drew Holiday on the Bucks. But, like, none of the teams that are actually in consideration for Casey Wallace's range have what he has to offer. And I think that, too, when you look at the Thunder, they play such a positionless style where, like, Kendrick Williams is playing the small ball five and the four. Wiggins is playing the four. Like, Jadup's playing the four. Like, these guys get bumped down to fours. You have, you know, Dort, who plays the three. You have Josh Giddy who can play the two or the three and even play small ball five and four at times for the mark in, in bigger limited spurts. He did that last year. Uh, SGA, of course, the, the, the point guard. So you can find ways to mix and match and get Wallace in there. It's, it's not as though they have a log jam at, at guard the way that it seems like on paper because – the other guards are Isaiah Joe, who who needs needs minutes and needs high priority minutes because of his shooting and because of what he brings you uh, as a flamethrower. But past him off the bench, would you be upset if Kaysan Wallace bumped out Trey Mann from your rotation? He was already no. bumped out of the rotation at the at the downstretch of the season. So adding no. Kaysan Wallace to do the job would be in w- would be a huge upgrade. Like, and, and the bottom line is, as Sam Presti and Mark have said, they want internal competition and and they want the players to understand and the players do understand. Not everyone's going to survive this rebuild. Even if you were a first-round pick, there's just too many first-round picks to like say, okay, well, since we invested a first-round pick in you, we can't give up on you. No, if someone better comes along and beats you out for those minutes fairly, then okay, you know that that's just how this machine operates. So I wouldn't be someone who turns your nose up at at Kaysan Wallace just because he's a guard. And I think that that's where fans get a lot of like, well, we've got too many players with a G next to their name. If I was a Thunder fan right now, I would not be even considering what the roster column says if they're a G F or C it does not matter. It just does not matter because of the way that the thunder play and execute with their roster. And so that brings us to GG Jackson, who I think is pretty polarizing uh, in the NBA draft community, at least a little bit. Uh, I've seen him as high up as four. I've seen him as low as like mid first round. What is it about GG Jackson that you love so much? Yeah, I mean, it's just that that size, creation ability, and youth combo, and athleticism, too. I mean, he has one of the best hezzies I've seen in this draft. He probably has the very best. And when you're 6'9", comfortable with both hands, you have a solid move. The defensive upside is there. He won the Peach Jam Defensive Player of the Year right before reclassifying uh, in the last summer's EYBL Peach Jam, which that is why he's the youngest player. He was playing high school basketball just not even not even nine months ago. So, uh, or not even 10 months ago, I should say, but his footwork is strong. I think in the mid post, like there's just a lot of stuff there. I think the ball handling ability, the athleticism, the size, the defense, the tools are all there. He's very much a tools or or not guy. And, you know, sometimes they fail, but it's a lot of the time because they don't go to the right team. And for him, Oklahoma city is the right team. I mean, from all accounts, I mean, on locked on NBA big board, we've talked about it. Uh, Gigi Jackson has been involved with Raphael, our, our main host, has been seeing him in person, meeting him and things like that. And I mean, he holds himself accountable. 
Like he knows what he did wrong. He he admits that he was wrong to do what he did, liking the comments, going on Instagram, all of that. He knows what he did wrong. He'll mature. He's pretty raw to being experienced in life, if that makes sense. I mean, his sister goes to South Carolina with him. He's never truly been independent. His parents aren't far off, far away from him. Uh, always kind of been a sheltered kid. Like there's just, I think he's going to mature, and that's going to change who he is on the court too. Like they they kind of go hand in hand. Gigi Jackson coming up. Let's do some tankathon spins before it's too late on the Locked On NBA podcast. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Richard, we only have five days, seven hours, 21 minutes, and 15 seconds to do this. Let's spin the wheel of tankathon. It's the Chicago Bulls who leaped oh up God. to the number one overall pick. So Dallas, say goodbye to your draft Ooh. pick. It's over with. It's done. The Bulls are number one. Charlotte is number two. San Antonio stays at three. Detroit at four. Houston at five. Portland at six. Orlando at seven. Indiana, Washington, Utah. Dallas, two. New York at 11. And the Thunder stay at 12. I demand this, a recount. This Well, we're going to get another spin. We're going to get another spin coming out. But this starts the questioning. Independent of the Thunder, just like a, a general draft question. Is there a place where Victor could go on Tuesday where you say, ah, I just don't think he's going to work out or fit there. Or it's not It's not the best operation for him. Or is he so good that he transcends whatever franchise he goes to? Choice B, he transcends everything. I mean, I don't think Houston is necessarily ideal because right now they're just um, – I mean, if you ask anybody, I think that's got connections in the league, they'll say, you know, that's just not where you want to send your guy right now. They, they have so much, they have so many problems where they built up, I would say these problems over the years and not addressed it. And it's starting to kind of fire back. I think some of it can change because they did fire their coach, which was necessary or technically, I don't think they fired him. They mutually agreed, but I think that could change stuff, but they just have a lot of kitchens uh, or cooks in the kitchen right now. And, you know, I don't know how Wemby, I think that's probably one of his worst spots. And unfortunately, and it's not because of talent. It's just because of the play style and the culture that's there right now. So this next spin is actually a double favor to you. Indiana gets the first overall pick going up six spots. Orlando jumps up four spots to number two. San Antonio at number three, Portland at number four. That's your top four. Uh, OKC stays at 12. Dallas stays at 10. And Orlando gets to pick 11 2 from Chicago. So, um, with this being said, oh, that's also your nightmare scenario of Chicago being number one because you lose both picks in that, that draft. Is, that is quite literally Chicago going up to the lottery is the worst case scenario because that pick is, uh, or, you know, in, in the actual lottery, the top four is for context, uh, is the Magic lose the pick if it's only top four protected. And since Chicago's behind Dallas, Dallas loses the pick. So that's why I was upset. Uh, what was the top three again? I know Orlando, you did me a favor. So Indi- Indiana one, Orlando two, San Antonio three, Portland four. Okay, that's a good uh, Indiana with Rick Carlisle and Wembenyama. Oh, I, I will say it again. Wembenyama's number one status isn't just because of the talent. It's it's because of what's up here. Like the kid gets it. Motor, understanding of the game combination is outstanding. Then you put him on the body and skills that he has. He'd be, I mean, Rick Carlisle would, we saw what he did with Luca early in his career. Uh, what's that gets shouted, I think, by how it ended in Dallas. But 
Wembenyama with him would be nuts. And now, Halvin. Here is the interesting one. Utah goes up eight and gets number one. Washington at two. Houston at three. Charlotte at four. Detroit at five. San Antonio six. Portland seven. Orlando down to eight. Indiana down to nine. But Utah, after we all thought that Utah was going to be in the bottom of this tank race for Victor, they end up getting Victor anyway. How does Victor fit in Utah? I've never really let my mind wander that place yet. Yeah, that's that's dangerous for the league. Walker Kessler can truly play center. Wembenyama has, I don't know if he's actually said it, it's been at least heavily implied. He doesn't want to be center, right? Where he wants to be like the free-roaming big man uh, is more what he wants than rather to be a traditional rim protector. And wow, he gets to do it. Like I, I think that team makes the playoffs next year. Like no question. You added, I mean, Utah was a borderline playing team until they packed it in and kind of cooled off towards the end. But 37 wins, it's not unrealistic to go up 10 wins. Like, Wembenyama changes your franchise that much. That would be I, – I, that is just one of the possibilities I have not registered yet. And seeing Utah there would, have, would be crazy. This next spin, though, is one we're going to end with because it is the best spin that you've ever gotten. San Antonio gets Victor, and so that, that storybook is complete. Even though we both don't like the Spurs. I'm scared where you're going with this. The storybook is complete. The Oklahoma City Thunder own the second overall pick. The Orlando Magic own the third overall pick. The Utah Jazz own the fourth overall pick. (laughs) And so now you've got Detroit, Houston, Charlotte, Portland, Indiana, Washington rounding out the top 10. Dallas loses their pick. Chicago gives their pick to Orlando. Orlando now has picks 12 and 3. Okay, CS pick 2. With this being said, I think that this highlights what we've talked about. Scoot. Generational talent. I love Scoot. I am a Scoot stan. Watch him in person. Talk to him, you know, uh, in a private setting. Scoot's awesome. The Thunder, though, have a ton of leverage in this scenario. What would, what would it be? Let's say that the Thunder take number two, and they call up Detroit at five, or they call up Charlotte at seven. What what would the return be if they say, hey, I can deliver you the second overall pick, and I can still, you know, privately, the Thunder could still get you know, Walker or Hendricks, someone who really fits with them. But what would the coup be to, to do that? What would be the haul? It, w- it wouldn't be just one first-round pick, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think those two teams are tough. I don't think Detroit would do it. Um, they would probably go for three, if anything, but also five seems like a good spot given what they need. <clears throat> I think with Charlotte, Charlotte, you could probably get stuff because they want to be good now. They're not trying to rebuild. Um, it's hard, though, because Scoot doesn't exactly fill everything they need. It helps a lot. He's not the area they need the most. So, like, I, I just, I, that's tough. I think they could still get, though, in theory, say that it just it was picks only and not players. You're looking at this pick. Next year is a weak class, and they already Oklahoma City already has so many picks. I don't think they want a 2024 pick. Correct. I think they'd want 2025 or 26, which we're already seeing is both for both of those. Like just a little bit of context, why teams even go this far back. Like teams are researching very hard right now where the future is. The EYBL three uh, three stripe circuit for Adidas. All of these circuits are going on right now, and they're all minimum 2024 classes. The 2024, 2025, and 2026 guys are playing. 
Every one of them has looked outstanding. So we're seeing already those two drafts after this next one are going to be outstanding. So I think they're going to want 2025 or 26 picks clustered uh, somewhere. Correct. And so if the board fell this way and Sam Presti said, you know, Richard, my heart's not in this draft. I need you to make the call for me behind the scenes. Would you stay put at two and select Scoot or would you maneuver around? Man. And it all comes back to you. It's all on you. I think you take Scoot. I I mean, this is a guy who he'd be number one in most drafts of the last 10 years, like in more than not. So you got to take the talent. Because really, like, let me ask you this. If Josh Giddy and Trey Mann were not in Oklahoma City right now, would would you be saying Scoot is like the best fit for Oklahoma City? Like given everyone else stays the same, you still have Chet, like just fit, purely fit, ignore the talent. Would you say like point guard at the top is okay to take? I'm so glad that you turned this on me because <laughs> I want to announce to the world, I know that the Thunder won 40 games. I watched every single second of every single game and covered every single game and went to every single game at home. The bottom line is, if this team is fortunate enough to get the second overall pick and leap up 10 spots in the draft, and in their third draft of this rebuild, this is only draft number three of this rebuild, get that lottery luck, you still take the very best available talent, independent of position, independent of play style. You are still not in that in that roster space to turn your nose up at talent. You still need to fill this roster out with top-end talent. Like, look at this roster. Trey Mann is going to be lucky if he carves out a, a, a top seven rotational spot in the NBA from what we've seen so far, right? Isaiah Joe is a great flamethrower, but he's a sixth man that, that helps you score off the bench. Lindy Waters is an undrafted guy that, that had a G League tryout and is a fine 10-minute spurt guy, but he's not someone that you rely on. So what I'm saying here is, even though we love Lindy Waters and we love Trey Mann and we love Isaiah Joe, if you bump anyone out of this rotation for Scoot, for Scoot Henderson, you immediately get better. And if that's the case, you draft the guy who gets you immediately better. And that is what the whole point of this rebuild has been. That is what the whole point of what Sam Presti is building has been. And he's told you that from the beginning. Not every player who you grow an attachment to is going to make it. That's the bottom line. Trey Mann might not make it, but it's going to be because Scoot Henderson is available in this hypothetical world. So if you're lucky enough to get number two, you are not in a position to say, I don't want the talent. I, I don't I don't want the generational talent. You take Scoot Henderson. Talent usually wins. Talent usually figures itself out. And you have, luckily, drafted guys as SGA, Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren. You've drafted guys who have this mindset, Jalen Williams, who have this mindset of not only do I want to be good individually, but I want to do whatever it takes play style-wise to make my team better. Jalen Williams played power forward this year. Jalen Williams played with small ball five this year. Josh Kitty ranged from the two to the one to the three to the four to the five this year in different possessions. They're willing to do whatever it takes to combine this talent and make it work. So drafting Scoot Henderson just adds to that. And Scoot Henderson is a pro's pro and a generational talent who I think can uh, play in the Thunder play style. And importantly, at every game this year, specifically in the two in Oklahoma City, Scoot Henderson, during his pregame warm-ups, 
was not working in isolation scoring. He was literally working on coming off of screens, catching and shooting, and playing off ball with his assistant, assistant coaches pregame in the Paycom yes. So, like, he wants to be able to do that. He understands he's going to have to be flexible and, and, and versatile. So drafting him is not some scary idea. It is, it is an exhilarating idea for Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to that, beautifully said, by the way, uh, I, I actually just got done watching one of his games where he went off. I'm, I'm trying to look at which one it was. It was November 16th. They killed Oklahoma City Blue. And Scoot had 27 points on 60% shooting, five assists, four steals. Um, you know, it was just remarkable. And he got to the he, – he drew a couple fouls as well, had five rebounds. And the thing that stood out to me in all of that, he had like seven or six straight makes, which was cool. But a lot of it was off-ball stuff. He was coming off of screens, like you said. The give-and-goes he have – have are just incredible it's it's really impressive just how willing he is to play off ball as a guard that is knows he's the star of the team like that stuff just doesn't happen like by accident i I just i really think you you factor in you can run handoffs for him so easily and guys want to play with sga i know we're running out of time but dude i just i feel like that fit really really does work the talent wins like he'll adjust both him and sga will adjust they will adjust for sure. And Scoot, also in that back-to-back series with OKC Blue, I was at both games, talked to him after after each game. There was a game, I believe it was the second game, where um, he just didn't have it. Just what didn't have it that night until the fourth quarter when he scored 15 points. Like He's that kind of player. He is the, he has that ability to just turn it on and, and, and keep at it and keep chipping away. And what was encouraging was throughout those two games, you saw his ability to make himself better, make his teammates better, and – his vocal leadership and, and look going to the blue games, unless it's field trip night, there's not many people there at all. And so you can literally hear everything. So hearing scoop position guys, defensively hearing scoop pick guys up after they made a mistake, instead of, instead of going, Oh, he dropped my pass and, and the pick and roll and fumbled it out of bounds. Like saying, it's all right, man. Like, like get, get their heads up and everything and move back. Like those little things add up, especially when you're looking at such a young uh, point guard who feels like you know the weights on him to try to prove he's the second overall pick and he should be the first overall pick but there's victor and and all this kind of nastiness that happens with the nba draft so it, it was great to see victor in person and he really impressed both pre-game and warm-ups and also in the actual game itself richard we already got time but one final disclaimer richard which i have a feeling we're not going to have this be the final one but there's already comment sections going crazy right now about this topic including from yesterday's video, which was not about the draft at all. Richard, no team in the face of the NBA, none of the 30 teams are trading Victor. Is that correct? Correct. So whoever gets Victor, no matter the package, Richard, even if I offered you 14 first-round picks and Josh Giddy, they're not trading Victor Omanyana. If Cade didn't get traded, we'd have the same conversation two years ago. The Godfather package wouldn't work then. It's not going to work now. So thank you, Richard, for joining us on today's show. Have a ton of fun at the Combine. Uh, you know, we'll try to make it work next week, but again, be mindful that Richard's in the at the NBA Draft Combine, so he might not be able to make it work on this show, but make sure you check out his show, uh, Locked in NBA Big Board. He'll be back at least the next week, if not next week, uh, for this show. Richard, thank you for joining us. Always love our draft chats. Thank you. Till tomorrow, whenever you do a profile on Grady Dick, be good and be good to one another.